0: Colossians chapter 1. Reminder as we go through this, letters build. You don't. We're going through this in pieces, obviously, but you can't go through this and get to verse 9 and be like, I don't care what happened all the way in verses 1 through 8, because they matter. Paul's point now is building on the point that he has made. So you don't just forget things about what we go through. You now have to see what he's saying now and what he's communicating to the church in light of what we have learned thus far. So that means you are responsible to remember everything every week, okay? (laughs) No, okay. I don't remember everything I said every week, so you're off the hook. You're doing okay. Now, Paul is going to lay out what his prayer for this church is. And that's important because, I don't know about you, but I'd like to know what the apostle wants for his people, wouldn't you? And what he wants for his people would be what he's communicating to God. So, give you a heads up. Sanctification, walking rightly and trusting in God. Hmm, those aren't universal themes that we cover in almost every book we go through, are they? It's almost like there's a consistent message of Scripture. And by the way, this is unrelated to anything, but kudos today. You guys have really balanced the room for me, and that makes my life so much easier. <laughs> and I know that is your goal and priority each and every week, so I, I commend you and thank you. <laughs> Again, I tell you, if nobody else has fun on a Sunday morning, at least I do, and that's all that matters. So, All right, let's dive in. Verse 9. <laughs> For this reason also, since the day we heard of it, we have not ceased to pray for you. See, you can't forget what has come before you. What reason? This is what he was covering, verses 3 through 5. We give thanks to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you. Since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus, the love which you have for all the saints, because of the hope laid up for you in heaven, of which you previously heard in the word of truth, the gospel. So because of that, he is praying What is he praying? To ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. In other words, a mindset that will actually lead to sanctification. Now, have we skipped a step on our normal formula? What's our normal formula? See who's been paying attention for the last couple of years. Before we change your mind, I have to first change what? Your heart. Did we skip a step? No. Change of heart was... Last week this is what he was commending them for last week. It's part of what we just read. Why are they having love for one another? Why are they seeking these things? Because their hearts have been changed. So because of who they are in Christ now, Paul's prayer is that that influence will change how they think about The world. By the way, this is the pattern. We'll see this later on in the letter in things like Colossians 2. As you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, having been firmly rooted and now being built up in him and established in your faith, just as you were instructed, overflowing with gratitude. And he doesn't just tell this to the Colossian church either. If you're going to know of, if you want to memorize a verse or at least a reference about, Having your mind changed by the work of Christ leading to a change in your life, there is a hallmark for this. Just remember you should go to Romans chapter 12. I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. And remember, that transforming based on who, how your mind operates and what your life will look like is built on the first 11 chapters of Romans, which over half of which is talking about what? Who you are, in Christ as opposed to her, you, who you are without Christ. Change of heart leading to a change of mind that then leads to a change of action. This is what Paul wants for this church. And by the way, is Paul the only person in the New Testament who would want this for this church? Did Paul just come up with this idea all by himself? Was, was like he, Was he traveling to Damascus and God knocked him off the horse and he hit his head? He's like, I got a new idea, guys. First person in human history to come up with something. Here we go. No, that's not how this works. That's not how any of this works. Remember the rule. If you're the first person in human history to come up with an idea, most likely you are wrong. Because not everyone who came before you was an idiot. Not everyone who came before you was incapable of thought. If you're the first person in human history to come up with one idea, you are probably wrong. I'm not saying you're always wrong. But more than likely than not, you are wrong. So no, Paul did not come up with sanctification all by his little old lonesome. First Peter chapter 2. Coming to him, talking about Jesus, as a living stone, which has been rejected by men, but is choice and precious in the sight of God. You also, as living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. In other words, because of the work that Christ has done, you are now different. Because you are now different, you are thinking and therefore acting differently in the world. James 4. You adulteresses, do you not know that friendship with the world is hostility toward God?" Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Or do you think the scripture speaks to no purpose, that he jealously desires the spirit which he has made to dwell in us? But he, talking about God, gives a greater grace. Therefore, it says, God is opposed to the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Submit therefore to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. In other words, who do you know that looks at the world? How many people do you know that look at the world and go, you know, everything that they want, I don't want? Everything that they tell me to do is the opposite of what I want to do. How many people are actually like that on the planet? No. In order to get like that, typically something has to go terribly wrong or terribly right in God's case. That's why all the therefores from James. You live contrary to the world because of the work that God has done. And because of the work that God has done, you are able to actually evaluate and understand the things that are going on. In other words, the change of heart leading to a change of mind. This is how you live and how you grow. Don't ask me why I still do the Johnny Depp run from Pirates of the Caribbean. It's just not gone away and I can't make it go away. I need to come up with something else to do with my hands. But just, it just fits. It's appropriate. But anyway. <laughs> this is how you live every day. The reason why this is the Apostles' Prayer for the Colossians is because this is the Apostles' Prayer for God's people each and every day. To understand who you are what that means to your desires and thought processes and have that influence the way that you live each and every day. We will come back to this. This is the evaluation process you should be undergoing constantly, thinking through how you live How you think, how you talk, how you interact, the things that you like, the things that you don't like, the things that you do, the things that you don't do, the things that you say, the things that you don't say, are all supposed to be run through this grid on a constant basis. Christianity is a thinking religion. You don't just plug in and hope the extension cord is long enough to make it all the way to the end. Okay? You are evaluating, you are processing. You are thinking on a constant basis. This is what the Holy Spirit is doing. This is what the gospel is accomplishing day in and day out. Now, that time I hit the Bible with my hand. That's not a good sign. So what does this prayer wish to see accomplished? Luckily for us, Paul tells us, so we can keep reading, verse 10. So that you will walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. In other words... All that change of mind built upon the change of heart is actually supposed to manifest itself where? In the world and the things that you do. 1 John chapter 2. By this we know that we have come to know him, if we keep his commandments. The one who says, I have come to know him and does not keep his commandments is a liar and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word, in him the love of God has truly been perfected. By this we know that we are in him. The one who says he abides in him ought also himself to walk in the same manner as he walked. I mean, follow me here. You can't claim to love Jesus and not do anything he says. (laughs) I I mean, if your children come up to you and go, mom, I love you more than anyone. You're the most important person in my life, but I can't clean my room. I know you want me to clean my room, but I just can't do it. It just wouldn't be right. Does that make sense? (laughs) It's like when I tell you to not, when I say something about your spouse, you don't look at your spouse in that moment. Same thing with the kids and the grandkids. Come on now. (laughs) No, how do you know they listen to you and respect you? Because when you ask them to do something, they actually attempted to do it. Notice the words I'm using. They attempted to do it. Look, You don't expect perfection in your kids. If you do, stop it. You are a sinful creature living in a sinful world, being redeemed by Christ. Don't expect perfection of yourself. And I'm serious about that. Strive for it. Long for it. But recognize what? I need Jesus. I need mercy and I need grace and I need strengthening from the Holy Spirit because you know what's going to happen to me time in and time out when I endeavor to follow the commands of Christ? I am going to stub my toe, I'm going to hit my head on something, I'm going to fall off, I'm going to drive into the pothole, pick your metaphor, pick your description of what it's going to look like, and I'm going to find myself in a place that I did not want to find myself. And it is in those moments that your heart is truly revealed. What separates the you that is in Christ from the them that is not in Christ? It is not perfection. It is recognition of your need and the repentance of your life day in and day out. So one of the things we talked about. We are coming up, getting closer. So just so you're warned, one of our breaks from Colossians is going to be the last Sunday of the month. Um, 500th, uh, 500th anniversary of the uh, Protestant Reformation was in um, 2017. Um, October 31st is when Martin Luther nailed the 95 Theses to the uh, castle door at the, the, the Wittenberg Church. So we, we remember that each year, whatever Sunday falls around that. We're going to do that again this year because it's good to remember that we actually have a heritage that stretches back, that we don't just stand in the last 20 minutes of history, but we stand in a history that goes back centuries and a word from God that goes all the way back to the beginning. But remember what one of the first things he wanted to argue about was. When God talks about repentance, he means the entirety of the Christian life. Is a life of repentance. It's not like you're going, well, I had this sin and I repented and now it's over there and I'm over here and everything is good now. I got really bad news for you. Look at that. No! Don't shine the light on that. We're pretending that's not there. No, no, no. We don't pretend that's not there. What do we do? We shine the light and then we do what? We kill it with fire. Fire! Kill it, kill it, kill it, kill it now. Go to war. Be honest. Look. Number one place where people should be able to be honest about their faults and troubles and difficulties and sins in life is here. Because your very being here is a declaration that you're no good. <laughs> what's, what's the line? God doesn't save good people. Why not? Well, Good people don't need salvation. They don't need it. Therefore, they don't receive it. It's amazing how that works. Your act of submission to Christ is a recognition that you're not good, that you need help, that you need strength, that you need power from on high. Therefore, when you look at me and say, oh, everything's awesome in life, (laughs) found your sin, liar. (laughs) I'm serious. We now know what one of the areas is, or you're not paying attention. Either way, we can get this figured out. We should be able to say, this is the problem. This is how I'm killing it. This is how you can kill it in your life. This is the thing that I'm seeing for you. This is how I walk through that. This is where this is supposed to be worked out. This is how this works day in and day out. Because we're doing what? We're looking, and we're thinking, and we're evaluating, and we're being honest. I don't expect you to be perfect, amazingly enough. You ready for a bad insight into my mind? I don't even expect you guys to be good most of the time. <laughs> there's a thank God. (laughs) You know why? Because I know me. And I know the standard. And I know how hard it is. And I know how much sin pulls and how much it corrupts and how much it destroys and what the difficulties are. I expect you to be at war. And it's a fight day in and day out. And that's good because we have the word and we have the Spirit, and we have the accomplishment of Christ. We have the victory. Therefore, we can battle in hope and in joy and know that we are walking in the right direction. That's what I expect. Not perfection. Trying. Fighting. Warring. Struggling. Some days it's good. Some days it's bad. Some days it's great. Some days let's not talk about it, okay? We're just going to try again tomorrow. And that's okay because that's the walk that we have in this world. So, You will walk in a manner worthy of Lord to please him in all respects. Now, don't get that twisted. You don't walk so that he will be pleased. You walk because he is pleased. Hebrews chapter 11. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who seek him. Philippians 1, what Paul told the church there. Conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or I remain absent, I will hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit with one mind striving together for the faith of the gospel. In other words, you are doing because you have already believed not the other way around. Remember, this is why I say, when you tell me everything is fine, there's no problems in life, we're not struggling with anything. Because you're trying to pretend like everything is good until everything is what? Hopefully better than it is now, and then we'll let you see what's behind the curtain so that you can see that there's actually power in Oz and everything will be okay. No, we know there is no power. We know there is no magic. We know there is no strength. Therefore, let's just deal with what is, and let's focus on the right things, Let's try to kill the bad things, and let's see how we can walk together so that we walk faithfully, because that's what we're trying to do. If you're more concerned about your appearance than you are with your actual righteousness, guess what we also just found? We found your idol. Now we get to kill it. See, there's a happy dance with it. (laughs) On the bright side, I did find out there's at least no video of last week's Sunday school class, so I am off the hook on that regard, at least. (laughs) Sorry. <laughs> hey, I get to celebrate some good news as well. So. so you will walk in a manner worthy of Lord to please him in all respects, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Because realize, in him and only in him, so in Christ and only in Christ, can your sanctification actually function. If you attempt this in any spirit other than the power of the Holy Spirit, you are doomed, as the great prophet Linus once said doomed. You have no hope. You will not make it. This is why John could say, you went out of us because you were not of us. Because you can only pretend for so long. Which again, by the way, is one of the reasons why this is important, one of the reasons why that Lone Ranger Christianity we talked about is so bad, because when you're by yourself, what can you do to you that you do very often? You can lie to you. You can convince you of all manner of things that are good, bad, ugly, or otherwise. But when you actually have to deal with other people, and you have to deal with other people who are seeking to be sanctified, other people who are seeking righteousness, other people who are battling with sin, do you know what you can't do about your righteousness, sanctification, and sin? You can't lie about it because it is now on full display, not just to them, but also to you. Also to you. When you see other people, Overcoming sin, do you rejoice or are you bitter? When you see other people fall and fail in sin, are you mourning or are you happy? This is a revelation of your perspective, what you think is important, how you view the world. Is my righteousness defined by whether or not I'm better than or worse than them? Because if it is, then what happens when they do well? I do poorly, which means I don't like that. What happens when they do poorly? It means I did well, and I like that. Wrong standard. But we would never in a million years think of things like that, would we? you've never once looked at someone else struggling with sin and gone, glad I'm not that guy. <laughs> I'm so much better than that today. Whew. Never thought that. I know you would never think such a thing. That's not the right definition. Our standard is Christ. Our standard is his perfection. and a recognition that we're going to fall short and he loves us anyway. That he overcomes sin and sanctifies us anyway. That in spite of us, in spite of who we are and where we have been and how we are walking, we will stand in his kingdom in glory. And that he has not forgotten us and he is not leaving us and he will not forget us. The thing we read this morning, Ephesians 2, if you continue on. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And that is not of yourselves, it is a gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. A change in you, changing how you see the world, changing then how you live in the world. First Peter 2, putting aside all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, Envy, all slander, like newborn babies, long for the pure milk of the word, so that by it you may grow in respect to salvation, if you have tasted the kindness of the Lord. If. You ever seen or heard, look better yet, you ever heard a hungry infant? You ever been late with a bottle for a hungry infant? (laughs) Is there any peace? Within five square miles of that little scene. (laughs) I used to have to do this with Connor. Oh, my goodness. Uh, Cameron, when Connor was first born, Cameron was finishing out the school year teaching. And so Connor would go to work with me, and then Cameron's sister would pick him up, and she would watch him in the morning, and Cameron's grandmother would watch Connor in the afternoons, and then I would pick up Connor and go home, and then Cameron would come home after that. There were days when Cameron had teachers meetings or staff meetings or things like that and she wouldn't get home till five or six o'clock and I'd be at home with Connor who doesn't want me but wants mommy for two hours And it's like <laughs> she would walk in the door it's like take this <laughs> and there is no more demoralizing feeling on the planet than I have listened to crying and I don't mean like I'm not happy and I don't like it I mean, I'm I do not like this for two hours. And then mom walks in the door and it's like, you can feel the silence. It's like, I'm a failure as a parent. I'm a failure as a person. And I don't even care anymore because it's quiet. (laughs) That is how you should long for the things of God in Christ, because you recognize his mercy and his grace. I don't want the things of the world. I don't want the lies of sin. I don't want the darkness that it supplies because it's not the right thing. Why? Because I have seen the light and I have seen the good and I have seen the righteousness. Therefore, don't bring me these imposters. If you want to have some good fun, like, have you ever told yourself this lie? Oh, buy the store brand. It tastes just like the regular ones. (laughs) Go to the store. Buy the Walmart Oreos, and then buy the actual Oreos. Eat the actual Oreos first, and then eat the Walmart Oreos. And you will experience true sadness. (laughs) Excuse me. Why? Because while they, they can tell me all they want, they make them in the same factory, in the same assembly line, and they taste exactly the same. No, they don't. I don't know what you do to them differently, but there's something... And you know it, don't you? As soon as you bite into it, you're like, you didn't splurge for the good cookies. I know how this is. I can see who truly loves me and who doesn't. Because mm-hmm. you just know something's wrong. Now, here's the thing. Are you satisfied with it? Are you happy? Or you sit there and eat like, more cookies than you're supposed to because you're trying to get the taste of what it's supposed to actually be like. See, some of you are grinning at me because you're like, get out of my kitchen. <laughs> That's how you should be with the world. Why do I want the lie? Why do I want the counterfeit? Why do I want the fake? When the real thing's right there. What should I be longing for? What should I be fighting for? What should I be fighting against? Understanding who you are and why you are this way. I know I've just killed half your grocery bills because you're like, I cannot buy the off-brand Chips Ahoy ever again. <laughs> and it's all your fault. <laughs> there you go. Grocery bills have gone up. Mike will be mad at me. Everything will be... <laughs> This is all where you're supposed to be resting. This is what Paul desires for the church. But like a bad infomercial at four o'clock in 1997, we're not done yet because wait, there's more. There's always more. Till you looked at the clock and goes, oh man, there's like another 12 minutes. They're gonna sell me something else and then I can get two if I pay an extra shipping and handling, right? <laughs> so Paul will hope what? That they will be, verse 11, strengthened with all power according to his glorious might. Why? Because Christ's power will actually produce something in his people. He does not just send them out into the world Billy Crystal style. You know the line that I, that I love from the Princess Bride. Jesus and the Holy Spirit are not just sitting there going, have fun storming the castle. Enjoy. We'll be, you know, let me know how it turns out. You know, think they're going to make it? Not a chance. No, nope. They got no hope. Because without Christ and without the Holy Spirit, you know what chance you have? You have no chance. You have no hope. He does not do that to you. John 15, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit, for apart from me, you can do nothing. And by the way, that's why I'm always telling you to think through your life and to evaluate. It settles you in the right place. Stop thinking, stop evaluating. You know whose power you're going to start trying to operate in? Yours. Because you know whose ideas you're going to be thinking about? Yours. And you're going to be forgetting the transformed heart, which means you're not going to be using that sanctified mind. You're not going to have your mind renewed day by day, which means your actions are going to reflect the stagnation of your spirit. Ooh, that's a good t-shirt right there. <laughs> One of these days we're going to print all these up and make no money. <laughs> Sorry. It is what it is. Instead, think. Evaluate your life. Why am I doing this? Why am I living like this? Why am I thinking like this? Because you are now being grounded in who you are. Now stop, Christian. Stop taking the look at yourself and take the 27,000 looks at Christ that you need to take and answer the question rightly. Who are you? Because if that answer does not start with, redeemed by the work of the Son settled in peace in the kingdom of the Father, empowered by the work of the Spirit, sanctified by the gospel of grace, strengthened in his might, renewed in his wisdom, secure in the glory of God as he is carrying me forward. If those aren't your answers, guess what you got? Wrong answer. You have the wrong you. Therefore, go back to the beginning, understand who you are, understand who you are in Christ, and evaluate your life accordingly. Remember, you don't change your life so that God will be happy. God is happy and pleased in the work of Christ. Therefore, he has renewed and regenerated you. Therefore, you are able to think, able to evaluate, able to understand the schemes of this world, the wisdom that you are to operate in, and you are able to rightly come to the decision because you can see sin for what it is and say what? Ah! Sorry, that was a little graphic, wasn't it? <laughs> But you have to be honest about it. Who are you in this world? Who are you before the throne? How now should you live? How now do you operate? This is where your strength comes because now you can recognize, okay, I know what the lie is. I know what the schemes are and I don't want that. Therefore, based on who he is, what he has commanded, how I am to live in this world, what actually pushes me down the right path? These are not the conversations we have being honest you know why because these aren't the conversations i always have you know who needs to listen to me the most me me i'm not just talking to you guys i'm talking to me too because constant constant that's why james talks about bearing up under pressure you live in a world and it's like holding up a pillar it's just when does the building get lighter i mean if i sticky if i we stick a jack underneath the building when does the building get lighter it just sits there Jack has to hold on. I always got a laugh out of this. Um, Cameron's parents inherited a house that's, at this point, 120, 125 years old. Old farmhouse in the middle of nowhere, North Carolina. Built on nice, sandy, North Carolina soil. And they, they stuck the kitchen as an addition on it at some point in like the 50s or 60s. And they just built it right on the ground. On that nice, sandy soil (laughs) and every so often that sandy soil just isn't there anymore and the ground isn't underneath the kitchen so my father-in-law would go and get a jack for a house and climb under the house and jack up a beam and then a little while later another beam would start to sag and you go jack up the next beam you know what the kitchen never did the kitchen never relaxed the kitchen never stopped putting pressure on the ground it never stopped putting pressure on the jack that's your life by the way, they eventually they, the beams have been replaced and the ground is actually a little bit reinforced. It should be holding now for a while. <laughs> should be. Crush your, you know, It's like when you're a kid, start crossing stuff. <laughs> you don't just take a breather and the world stops trying to smush you. It's always there. When you forget that is when you get smushed down a little and be like, wait a minute, this is painful. Good. It's supposed to be. That's the discipline of the Lord. That's how we learn in this place. That's how we recognize that we're not where we're supposed to be, is that something has gone terribly wrong. Do what? Evaluate. Who am I? Why am I this way? What are the things in life that I am letting go of? What are the things in life I have not let go of? What are the things in life? What are the sins that I have not repented of? Where are the areas that have not been surrendered to Christ? This may be when things are going well. This may be when things are going bad. Because guess when the pressure is always on? Always. Always, always, always. Here's one for you. You ever think of prosperity as judgment? What was the prayer of the, of, of the Proverbs, right? Give me neither riches nor poverty. Why? Because if I have too little, I'll steal and break your law. If I have too much, I'll forget you and profane your name. Give me what I need. Give me what I need. You have to evaluate when you have too little. You have to evaluate when you have too much. You have to evaluate when things are terrible. You have to evaluate when things are amazing. You have to evaluate when you have bad health. You have to evaluate when you have good health. Because you are always tempted in all of these things to trust in This world. Always. Stop. Think. Recognize that the world has not stopped. Christ has not forgotten you, and the Spirit has not abandoned you. Therefore, you can be wise in this place and you can serve Him each and every day. (laughs) So, strengthened with all power, according to His glorious might, for the attaining of all steadfastness and patience. Do those two things sound like they're making uh, quick decisions? To be steadfast and patient? No. Steadfast. Unmoving. Sitting there. Always remember this, Christian. You are supposed to be, pick pick your Bible description. As Colossians 2 said, you're supposed to be rooted. Do trees move? Let me rephrase that. Are trees supposed to move? When they do move, it is because something has gone... Terribly wrong because they are what? Rooted into the soil. They're supposed to be there. Imagine walking by the same oak tree for 20 years. All of a sudden, it's like, where'd he go? Because you know he didn't leave. You know he didn't get up and walk off somewhere because he's supposed to be planted right there. So, like Colossians 2 says, you're rooted. Is it Ephesians 4 that you are grounded? You are built up? You are anchored. All of these are descriptions. Do you ever drop an anchor on a boat and hope it goes somewhere else? No, I've told you that story. We did that on vacation with Cameron's parents. My father-in-law anchored the boat, and then the storm blew in, and the waves were big enough that it was actually... The boat was heavy enough that the wave was picking the boat up, and the anchor line wasn't long enough. So it was picking the anchor up off the bottom, and then putting the boat back down. And then the next wave was doing the same thing. And so, yeah, it became my job to go out there and pick up the 100 pounds of anchor weight and then walk the boat back out, which the only advantage that is it's easy to walk when the water's above your head like that because you have 100 pounds in your hands. So it just... <gasps> <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, everybody in the surface is seeing the boat move, like, this far while I'm... Put it down, come up to the surface, breathe... <sighs> go back down, (laughs) yeah anchors aren't supposed to be going someplace else. When you put the anchor down, the boat's supposed to do what? Stay there! If it doesn't, something has gone wrong. You live in a world, you are supposed to be rooted, grounded, anchored, secured. They are doing what? Every wind and wave of doctrine, sinking sand, shifting shores, whatever it is you want to see, they are going here, tither, and yon, and you are going, what is wrong with these people? the answer is they have not Christ. If you are not looking at the insanity of the world from a singular perspective, you are looking at it wrongly. That's why those trivia questions are going to be so important. How many Christians are believing, but are not being sanctified because they are not thinking rightly in the world? This is not the place that you wish to be, Christian. You don't want to try to, what's the line, I'm going to make it into heaven, but you think it's like burn marks? (laughs) That's not the goal. The goal is not to see what I can get away with here. The goal is to serve Christ. The attitude that says, let me see what I can get away with, is the attitude that is not seeking to serve Christ. You know what they need to do? Repent and believe the gospel. How can you say you love Christ and not want to do anything that he's told you? The goal is to be steadfast, to be patient, to be slow, to be thinking, to watch the world knee-jerk and whiplash while you go, yeah, that was a bad idea, and I've told you that was a bad idea. Would you stop for a second? There is a better way. That's the wisdom we are supposed to be providing. 11 leading into 12. Because, by the way, always remember, sometimes your, your your verse breaks are just terrible. The verse break from 11 to 12 is in a terrible spot. They missed it by one word. Twelve should start for that. So, joyously giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. All of that. All of this anchored in thinking and evaluating and understanding Christ. All of this because of what? What he has accomplished. You didn't ascend to heaven and go, I demand a place in the kingdom. You didn't want the kingdom, and God said, You're mine. Come up here. Not of works, not of faith. Of faith, not of works is a gift of God. And I know I got that backwards, but you get it. You get my point. He has rescued a people who were helpless. This is why we read what we read before communion this morning. God being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions, made us alive together with Christ. We have gone from hopeless to hopeful. We have gone from dead to alive. And we have gone from orphans to children in a massive, massive family. Revelation chapter 1. John, to the seven churches that are in Asia, grace to you in peace from him who is and who was and who is to come. From the seven spirits who are before his throne, from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead, the ruler of the kings of the earth, to him who loves us and released us from our sins by his blood, and he has made us to be a kingdom, priests to his God and Father, to him be the glory and the dominion forever and ever. Amen. Because of who Christ is, we are now different. We were once not a people, as Peter puts it, but we are now the people of God. This is again why that steadfastness is so important. I'm going to say it again. You should have more in common with a Christian on the other side of the world than you do with the pagan who lives down the street. Why? Why? Because you and the Christian on the other side of the world who has a different culture and a different language and a different government and all of those things are both supposed to be doing what? Living in the world and evaluating it in light of service to Christ. For you it may look different than it does for them, but the principles behind them are the same. When you just live according to the course of the world, you are living according to the course of the pagan who lives down the street. May it never be. May that not be the testimony of us as we are his people in this place, but may we be thinking and evaluating, understanding who we are because of what he has done. Sorry about that. Every once in a while, it just catches, and it's like my throat will not cooperate any longer. And just in case you missed all of that, Paul is going to run it down for you a second time. For he has rescued us from the domain of darkness. Who were you? You were dead in your trespasses and sins, in which you formerly walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, of the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience. Among them, we too all formerly lived. When Paul says all, how many people do you think he means? Just in case we're making sure sure we're paying attention. Yeah, all, all means what? All of them, okay. In the lusts of our flesh, indulging the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, even as the rest. And by the way, something I meant to mention a few weeks ago, I'm going to mention it here even though it doesn't exactly fit the exact theme. Whenever you read lusts of the flesh in your Bible, just because everything else in this culture is about sex, don't think that is too. (laughs) Oreo cookies can be the lusts of the flesh, okay? A cigarette can be the lusts of the flesh. The things that you want more than the things of God because they feed whatever this is supposed to be. Yeah, those are the lusts of the flesh. Don't automatically assume Paul is just talking about sex every single time he mentions that. He's talking about all the things you want that you want more than God. Now, sometimes he is talking about sex, but he's not always. Just just put that in your back pocket. Always remember that. When we talk about the desires of the eyes and the lusts of the flesh, we're talking about the things of the world the temptations to sin, the desires for the things that are part of that pulling away, that pressure that is being applied to you day in and day out. The things that you're supposed to be evaluating and understanding so that all of the things in your life are put in proper perspective. So, he has rescued us from the domain of darkness, that's who we were, and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son. That's who you are children, 1 John 2 again, I am writing these things to you so that you may not sin, but if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous, and he himself is a propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but those for the, for, but also for those of the whole world, First Peter 1, if you address his Father, the one who impartially judges according to each one's work, conduct yourselves in fear during the time of your stay on earth, knowing that you were not redeemed with perishable things like silver or gold. You know that stuff that nobody cares about? The stuff you just throw away because it's worthless, that silver and gold? (laughs) Yeah, not not useless stuff like that. From your feudal way of life, but with the precious blood as of the Lamb, unblemished and spotless, the blood of Christ. Christian, remember that always. The biggest pressure point you face is your failure. The biggest pressure points you face are your sins, your corruption, and the lies that you and the world will tell yourself. This is why I constantly remind you. Okay. Let's ask this question. You ready? Who wants to answer for me? Does pastor think you're good? <laughs> See, you're like, no, come on, this one should be obvious. You're not good, and I know you're not good, and you know you're not good, and you know that I know that you know that you're not good, and we're done here. So you don't have to lie to me about it. You don't have to try to convince me of it. I already know the truth. Remember, you're here. That's a declaration that what? You need salvation. You need saving from on high. You need something that you cannot provide for you. God doesn't save good people because good people don't need to be saved. I know you're not good, I'm not worried about that. The reason I remind you of that always is because that's the biggest accusation the world has. That's the one, that's the thing they're gonna try to hang you with every single time. You're not good, you're not worthy, you don't deserve this, you can't accomplish any things. And you know what our answer should be every time those accusations come? Duh! (laughs) Duh, that's why there's a Holy Spirit. That's why we pray. That's why we partake communion to remind ourselves of the mercies he has accomplished and the mercies that he has promised, of the mercies that he is renewing each and every day. That is why we read scripture. That is why we celebrate his work. That is why we commune with one another. Because I know I'm not good at this, and I know I'm not successful at this, and I know that I can't do this by myself. Thanks be to God, that he has not left me by myself to do these things, but he has put me securely in the kingdom of his son because of who he is and what he has accomplished. Not my standing, Christ's standing. Now stop, Christian. This is why I asked you, who are you? That's your answer every single day. The minute that becomes not the answer, stop, go back to the beginning, and start again. Who are you in Christ? Because if you leave out that in Christ part, you have forgotten the change of heart that will lead to a change of mind that will then lead to the transformed life. Who are you in Christ each and every day? And that's not a question. That's a declaration. It's a reminder that in spite of me, in spite of my failures, in spite of my sin, in spite of the corruption that I walk in and desire, and the lust that I am tempted by each and every day, He loves me. And He sanctifies me. And He will bring me to a good end in His good kingdom because He has redeemed even me. So He has transferred us to the kingdom of His beloved Son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Accomplished, as I reminded him in Sunday school this morning, one of my favorite songs, is nailed to the cross and I bear it no more. No more. Hebrews chapter 9. When Christ appeared as a high priest, of the good things to come, he entered through the greater in the more perfect tabernacle. Not made with hands, and that is to say not of this creation. And not through the blood of goats and calves, but through his own Blood. He entered the holy place once for all, having obtained eternal redemption. For if the blood of goats and bulls and the ashes of a heifer, sprinkling those who have been defiled, sanctify for the cleansing of flesh, how much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered himself without blemish to God, cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? It is finished. It is accomplished. You war victoriously. This is why you can have joy in battle. What if I told you that you were going into battle tomorrow? So we're going to put the armor on you, give you your weapon, and send you into battle. You can't die, and you can't lose. How are you going to fight? I mean, are you going to stand in the corner being like, No, you can't die, and you can't lose. No matter what, you should be like, Dude, You guys just wait right there. I'm going to take care of this. I used to, um, oh, was it Satchel Paige that used to do that? Um, Before the integration of baseball, Satchel Paige as a pitcher used to have fun with the hitters. And when he'd get a really good hitter, he'd tell his outfielders to sit down. And then he would pitch with the defense sitting down. And just, just for, one, because it was fun, and two, because it would mess with the batter. I mean, how insulting is that? Just standing home plate, like, I'm the best hitter on this team, and you want the defense to sit there? Who do you think you are? <laughs> that's how you would go. You'd be like, you guys, just, just wait. I got this. I got this. Christian, that's how you're battling with your sin. Yes, you are going to war with a real enemy. That enemy wants to kill you and destroy you. You can't die, and you can't lose. You can't be defeated. How should you fight? With every fiber of your being. In what knowledge? Security. Because I can't lose and it can't kill me. No matter what happens, I win. No matter what happens, I succeed. No matter what happens, I gain God in his kingdom. Righteous before the throne. Free from the presence and influence of all of this. Because of who he is and what he has done. Forgiveness of sins is gone. Gone, 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 gone. 1 John chapter 1. If we say that we have fellowship with him, and yet we walk in the darkness, we lie, and we don't practice the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Catch this. If we say that we have no sin, We are deceiving ourselves, and the truth is not in us. This is why I called you a liar when you told me everything was fine earlier. See, it's not me, it's John. (laughs) But if we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. This is why when Martin Luther says that you begin with repentance, you begin which day with repentance? All of them, because you have sinned. But if we confess our sins, he is faithful to forgive and his righteousness will abide and we will walk in the light as he himself is in the light because he has brought us into the light. This is who we are day in and day out. Now, Christian, how do you feel about the world? And if you try to answer that question and forget everything that I have just said, bad. (laughs) Bad, 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 (laughs) bad. treat you like the puppy. No, no, no. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, I forgot it was there. (laughs) I was trying to start. It's not me. Debbie wants to see you all whacked. Okay. (laughs) I was nice. I was polite. Debbie's like, get him. (laughs) But I'm serious about this. This is the strengthening you have to do. This is the bearing up that you need each and every day is to be reminded that I think about these things in light of who I am in Christ because that's what the gospel is doing. That's what Paul wants to see for the Colossians, to see them built up, to see them transformed, to see them walking in light of who they are in Christ because it matters because of who God is and what he has done in our lives. He has not forgotten you. He has not forsaken you. He has not left you weak. He has left you empowered and strengthened victoriously in the world. Go into it with that in mind. Go into it with that wisdom in hand because that is how we actually shine light. Let's pray.